You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on pack underscore that aim. Well, I want to start off with the trade deadline thing. I apologize, by the way, for no episode yesterday. Just a complete oversight, which I know doesn't even make any sense. How do you forget to do a podcast? I don't know, man. It happens. Uh at least once out of 1,600 episodes. <laughs> it's bound to happen once in whatever. Um, let's talk about the trade deadline thing because it's just about ended. I mean, it, it did end. I'm just saying it was recent for me. And I've watched it all kind of unravel. And um, I, I, I guess I'm still kind of collecting my thoughts, but I, I just want to kind of give it to you as it's kind of flowing through my brains right now. One of the things that seems clear is that every single Packer fan, I shouldn't say that, for the most part, every Packer fan wanted something done. Now, whether or not you wanted them to buy or sell might vary, but do something. And I think there are a lot of people, a little bit myself included, that would have been kind of okay with either. Um... Packers didn't do anything, by the way, for those that don't know, looking for getting your podcast, uh, getting your Packers news from a podcast. The Packers did not do anything by the trade deadline. Let me just speak for myself here. I like to speak for you guys, but let me uh, speak for myself and assume that I'm, I'm not alone in this. What I would like to believe is that our team has a plan, that they have some kind of a semblance of, of, you know, this is where we're at. This is what happened, and and now we're going to go in this direction, right? So one of the objections or, or things that people were saying on Twitter that I don't agree with is, you know, if you weren't going to do anything at the deadline, why didn't you trade Rodgers? Well, it probably has something to do with the fact that they didn't have any idea we were going to be this bad. So you could easily say we went all in on Rodgers and Aaron Jones and everybody else that we really shouldn't have done. No offense, Aaron Jones. I love the guy. You know that. Anyways, a lot of guys we paid a lot of money to, pushed a lot of money back, did a lot of stupid things in a hope of getting a Super Bowl. And you know what? If you win a Super Bowl, fine. You got me. Good call. But but if you do all that and end up here, that's a disaster. Anyways, we did all those things, and now we suck. 
And so choosing not to go all in kind of makes sense, at least insofar as, as that is concerned. So I get where things will change. And I get that things have changed. There's no question about it. The question I have is, okay, what's the plan? Right? I know that you thought we were going to be really good. And we're really hoping to get Devontae. We talked about that maybe being a bigger piece than, than expected. But let's just say that even besides that, we didn't think we were going to be in this situation. But we are. And so there's a part of me that, that was not even so much interested in what we're going to do. Or here's my, my wish list. I hope we do this, 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 or this. I want to know where the Packers are at based on their actions. I want Gutekunst to communicate to me their feelings on this team through the trade deadline. If they go get a wide receiver, whether or not it's a good decision, wide receiver, safety, offensive line, on it, whatever your pet thing is, it's communicating to me that they genuinely believe that there is still a possibility of turning this team around. If you don't believe that, because you could easily say, well, by not doing that, it communicates that they don't believe that, so they are communicating to you, kind of. But if that is the case, if they're looking at this saying, I don't believe there's any chance that we turn this around, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't capitalize on this and do what every other team that is in rebuild mode is doing, and that is offloading talent that is not a part of a rebuild. You offload them now. It's going to help our cap in the future, and you're also able to accumulate draft capital. Now, it's, it's entirely possible they did try to either acquire talent. There's rumors out there that they're trying to get Chase Claypool and the Bears stole him or whatever. I don't know. But, but and, and here, here's the other thing. People could say, well, there, there is a, a middle ground of I don't know. That's BS. That's exactly what I want to not find out about this team. Well, we don't know for sure that, you know, we, we don't want to put in assets because it seems bad, but I don't want to just give up. I'm sorry, you have to pick a direction and you have to go 100%. The, the biggest, not the biggest problem, a major problem I'm seeing is this team just having, being directionless and rudderless and just kind of like, I don't know, we'll try this, we'll try that, we'll do this, we'll do that. And it seems unfair to say that Brian Gutekunst isn't trying and doesn't have a direction, doesn't have a plan, but... As I was thinking about it and saying, okay, well, here's the thing. Maybe they did try to get somebody, but there was nothing out there to get, right? They didn't want to give up a first-round pick for Chase Claypool or whatever. And maybe the other, you know, the Steelers thought that the Packers would end up with a better record than the Bears, so they didn't want to take ours over there. And so, you know, you want to put a second and a kicker in? Maybe not, I don't know, whatever. Plus, Chase Claypool isn't that great, and he's not going to fix anything, whatever. Okay, whatever. So he tried as hard as he could and couldn't find anyone. I, I don't know if I can accept that because again if that is your decision we will move forward then you have to do something and if you can't and and our success is dependent on that we got to switch gears i mean give your trade deadline ends at at three o'clock at two o'clock if it's becoming clear there is no trade to be made you start picking up those other calls yes we will accept that trade and start sending people away you have to do something but oh but again Okay, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because it seems improbable that he wouldn't be able to figure this stuff out, that he wouldn't really have a plan. Come on, of course he has a plan. He's an NFL GM. And then I started thinking about the Packers as a whole. Does it feel like they have had a plan all year? Every time we ask what's going on with this team, Matt LaFleur goes, uh, I don't know. <laughs> what? I expect you to be the guy that says, here's the problem. And here's how we fix it. And sometimes he does. Well, it's execution. You know, we got to execute, whatever. 
But then you get to the point where it's like, well, they're not executing. Why are they not executing? I don't know. What are you going to do about it? I, I don't know. Do you remember on defense when they were talking about execution and then they kind of got lit up for not playing more man defense? What did they do? They changed. And then when that didn't work, they changed back. Do you remember when Royce wasn't doing a good job and they said, you know what, we're going to play Royce anyways because we're really convicted about this. And then mid-game they pulled Royce and they put somebody else in and he was terrible and then he got hurt and then they put Royce back out there. Do you remember when Savage or uh, Stokes was not playing very well, Freudian slip, and they pulled him and then Razul gave up a touchdown and then they put him back in? They're, everything they're doing just feels like they're just making stuff up off the top of their head. There's, there's, there's some level of, of conviction, but it also feels like they're so broken to the point of being like, I don't know, maybe we don't know anything. Maybe we are stupid to where they're, they're listening to their, their players. They're listening to the fans. They're listening to the media. And, you know, seems a little hypocritical for me to say, dude, why don't you play more man? And then when they do say, dude, why are you listening to me? You jag off. But at the same time, that's kind of the reality. As an NFL head coach, you need to be firm enough in your convictions to say, I don't care what you think. You're an idiot, right? Kind of like when somebody asks him, why don't you play more man? Well, you see, dummy, if you play man coverage, then the corners turn around, and that's when the quarterback can run and gash you for a billion yards, right? That's conviction. That's saying this was our plan, and we're sticking to it. Except just the week prior, you got away from that plan, and you said, we're going to do whatever everybody else says. And then that blew up in your face and sucked and didn't work. I, I just have no real confidence that anybody knows what's going on, and they're really not doing anything to try to assuage that. There's no conviction in anything they're doing. I just heard a clip from, from Rogers. I want to play this. I haven't even listened to the whole thing. I just saw this and then played the part that mattered. We'll see how long we're going to play of this clip. But here's Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show, and I don't have, I, again, he's just doing the show, I think, and so I'm just starting to see some of the clips. But anyways, here, here is one of them. Last week when I said what, about feeling like the Packers, it was more just we're practicing like a good football team. By the way, I'm so tired of hearing about freaking practice. You know what I mean? Like, we're asking for real answers. What are we going to do? What's going on? It's like, oh, we had a good practice. It was very spirited. Yeah, they really nail in those handshakes. Come on. And I don't feel like we had consistently been doing that week to week. And there's been times over the past where, you know, you have some rough weeks of practice or things don't look perfect. You go out and just light it up. And there's been times you, you practice incredible and go on the field and, and have a hard time scoring. So it doesn't always correlate, but the feeling of it, the energy, it just felt better. Pre-game, this was the first game uh, of the season where it really felt like we were ready to play. Oh, Okay. I, what do you do? What do you do at this point? He just said. This is the first game of the season where it felt like we were ready to play. And they, and they got blown out in the first half. Which is just a, a fun little side note to the whole real problem with that quote. I got to get my own bleep button ready here. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's so. I, I, I borderline feel bad for Brian Gutekunst as much as I'm kind of attacking Brian Gutekunst because I feel like the guy's done everything. 
He's he's listened to everybody. He's gone all in. You know, everybody's complaining. Gutekunst never does anything. The guy has broken this team because of how hard he's pushed all in. We are we are screwed. We're not really, and I'll talk about it. But but it's bad. The contracts and and everything else, and even even re-signing Rodgers. I mean, the 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 lengths he went over the last year to repair a damaged relationship with the quarterback and to really get on a solid footing. And then from there to to figure out this contract situation with with he and Russ Ball and Rodgers really hammering out a complex contract and going to the ends of the earth to bring in Devontae and and bringing back Devondre and everybody, you know, trying to do everything he possibly can. And for what? We just heard from our MVP quarterback that this is the first time they were ready to play what what the f- what 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 have you been every other week? What have you been if not ready? Just not feeling it, huh? Case of the Mondays. What's the problem? How do we get halfway through the season before you figure out how to kind of kind of give a crap? I don't I don't I don't get this. It sucks that 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 we believed that they would simply show up in 2022 as Packer fans, that we waited all offseason talking and getting excited and motivated about all this stuff. Do you know how little I care about a freaking wide receiver right now? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond happy that we didn't acquire anybody. Again, I, I wish we would have done something just because I want to know that the team has a direction, has some kind of an aim, has some purpose in this world which it feels like we don't, but man, it would have been disheartening if we had gone out and gotten a wide receiver on a team that just does not give a crap. Jeez. I don't even know what to say to that. I really don't. I mean, you got teams that are that are doing nothing, and they are beyond motivated. Beyond motivated. Just, just fired up on a on a week to week, play to play basis, and this team that has everything, superstars across the board, all getting these high paying con. We paid David Bakhtiari. We paid, you know, highest paid left tackle, highest paid quarterback, highest paid cornerback, highest paid defensive tackle. We got all the highest paid everybody's. Rashawn Gary is is thirty seconds away from being the highest paid pass rusher, and for what? For what? Nobody cares. And he's sitting there so casually. This was, you know, this is the first week we really kind of got into a groove. Granted, we got the crap beat out of us, but, you know, like we just, we kind of haven't really wanted to play. And, but, you know, this week, man, we kind of felt like doing stuff. We didn't. Believe it or not, that first half was us being motivated for the first time. That was us coming out of the gate as our best, but still, as far as effort, this is the first, this is the best that we've ever been, for sure. And I don't doubt Rodgers believes that. I, I think he's largely talking about himself. If you just look at PFF, who's his highest grade? I mean, he graded out great. Well, thank you so much for showing up, Rodgers. It's, it's really great to have you here. I'm glad so many people spent all these weeks blaming your thumb for your poor performance the last several weeks. Turns out your thumb is fine, right? It has no impact on your throwing ability. All the drops vanish. That's wonderful. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. What a waste. 
What an absolute waste. This whole thing is stupid. I just, I, you know, I, I wish we would have known. I wish we, we would have had this information to just give to Brian Gutekunst and say, just so you know, these guys, no interest in having any effort put forward. Devontae can go, Rodgers can go, and we can go right down the line and let a bunch of people go, and we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in. We'd have a bad year, and of course everybody would say, see, I told you, you can't get rid of Rodgers, now look at you, now you suck, because people wouldn't realize that we would have sucked anyways. You'd be undefeated right now, look how bad the NFL is. You kidding me with Rodgers and that stacked unit? That, that good of a football team? Undefeated for sure. Tampa's the only team you would have lost to, and look at Tampa. That was the only one on the schedule you should have been scared of. Maybe you lose to Buffalo. Maybe. Okay. I just wish we would have known, and we could have avoided all this, because it's, it's, it's one thing to be a fan of a team that's just not good at football. It's another thing to be a fan of a team that's not good at football that has more than enough talent to be a top three football team, and, and you have the quarterback saying, eh, this is the first time we felt like showing up a little bit. Great. Thank you for that. That's wonderful. It just—it seems like we have a GM that's kind of just like, I don't know what to do, man. I don't know. We'll just leave it. And the head coach that's, that's apparently letting the players run the team, you know, I don't know. Like, how's he, you know, what's going on with motivation? That's not really my job. You know, I'm going to let the players do that. Like, which players? Do any players actually want to fill that role of leadership and kind of getting guys motivated? We know Rodgers isn't going to do it. Who, who's, who, which players are doing that? Matt. I don't know. It's not me, though. I leave it up to the players. Okay. It's not working, though, right? Do you think about maybe reclaiming that man? No, it's, it's a player's, player's league and everything. Okay. And play calling, that's up to the players, too. Like, how you run your team. Rodgers dictates your offense. Jair dictates your defense. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Okay, great. Got it. Okay. Well, it's going great. It really is. Just feels like everybody kind of just doesn't care. It's not, it shouldn't even be surprising, I guess, that it's filtered down to the players. And, and the concern I have is the same concern I had in 2018 is you really just don't want it to bleed down to the young guys that, that actually do care right now. You don't want a culture of, eh, bleeding into the young guys who come in all fired up. We need a culture change at the very least. But again, it's just from top to bottom. It just feels like nobody cares. And I'm not, you know, it's, it's not, well, you know, Gutekunst didn't get a wide receiver, so he doesn't care. What is the direction of the team? What is the plan? Is the plan, honestly, we're good enough? We, we got this. We're going to win a Super Bowl with the current roster. No deficiencies whatsoever. There's nothing we could have done to upgrade anything whatsoever. Maybe we're not trying to win a Super Bowl. Then what are we doing? What is the plan? We win now or we win later. Those are our two options. Which one are we doing right now? Seems like the plan is still to win now, but we're just going to let this thing ride out and hope it course correct. So Gutekunst is going to defer to the coaches and the players. The coaches are going to defer to the players, and the players are just going to kick back and go, I don't know, maybe we don't feel like it until week eight. That's great. That's wonderful. I wonder what would happen to a company if the, play, if the employees just decided when they feel like, well, you'd get Twitter, I guess. What, what kind of an environment you'd have if the players just decide whether or not they feel like working. I wonder if there would be more hours worked or less hours worked. Probably a little less. Let me put it this way. If it was up to me and my boss said, you work kind of whenever you feel like it, I don't know if I'd be there 40 hours. Not, not positive. 
And again, the, the, the larger, more disappointing thing is that I can't look at any single thing on this team and go, at least we have that. You know, I mean, I, I can select a couple players, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, you know, Jair, whatever, whatever. But uh, in a broad category, it, this is, and it doesn't have to be this way. There's, there's so much talent here. If they would just freaking care. But I guess, I guess they don't want to. It's funny, too, that Rodgers tries to, they make that seem like it was a positive. Even Pat McAfee, the quote that they put out about it, the energy around the team has felt better and that's encouraging going forward, is the quote. They put it in quotes. Maybe he says it later, but that doesn't seem like a direct quote to me. Um, but, it, but he says that. He's, he's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good thing going forward. You know, now that now that we care, like for real, granted, it didn't translate to a win, which is what he said. But, you know, as long as we have that energy, we might be able to win stuff, you know, which is great. Now that you have it, I don't even freaking, oh, I can't even say that. I can't, people are going to be mad at me if I say that, but I, I, don't, I just, I don't know how you crap down your own leg this many weeks and give away games and try to make it sound like it's actually really encouraging because for the first time ever we had energy and, and like we're ready to play. I, you don't deserve to win anything. You can't just not show up the first eight weeks of the season. Excuse me, seven. You apparently did show up for this game against Buffalo, which is super encouraging because I was under the impression that if this team was like, you know, 100%, you could compete with Buffalo, but apparently I was an idiot on that one. But you don't get to just cash it in the first seven weeks of the season and then show up week eight, which you didn't really. Again, you crapped the bed the first half, and then you kind of gave up again in the fourth quarter. It's like the, the effort was maybe a half a game, so I don't even know if I buy it. But yeah, it, well, now that our energy's there, we can kind of make a run. Screw it, dude. Forget it. Don't let us inconvenience you. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on you, having to show up and try and stuff. I mean, this, is, this whole thing is stupid. This whole thing is so stupid. Trying to make this sound so intellectual and deep, like, this is, this is embarrassing. The coaches don't know what they're doing. Our players don't know what they're doing. They're not trying. Nobody has any energy. Nobody has any answers. Nobody has any direction. And now what? We have, we have to look at this premium roster. And there are some people say, well, maybe it's not that good. No, it is. What, what, what did we overestimate, honestly? Rashawn, Jair, Kenny, Preston, nothing, nothing that we said was good. In fact, there's things on this team that are better than I thought, like Devondre Campbell. Thought he'd fall off. Still thought we'd have a dominant defense. He didn't fall off. We don't. Even close, anywhere near a dominant defense. Yeah, well, Stokes isn't exactly... He's, he's maybe, maybe marginally worse than he was last year. Well, look how bad Savage is. He was bad last year. What did you think he was going to be? Nobody thought Darnell Savage was going to be elite. Maybe he could like take a step because it's kind of year two of the system, whatever. But everybody is exactly who we thought they were. They just can't put it together. They can't play four quarters. Like they play great for first down, second down, give it up on third down. We're not losing because turns out Rashawn actually sucks. That's not the case. The only the only area in which that's happening, I think, is Elton Jenkins. Like, dang, maybe we were wrong about that guy. I don't know. But he wasn't even on the team for most of last year. Neither was David Bakhtiari, who is back and who is playing at a high level. And still we can't do anything. 
no cohesion, no energy, lots of mental mistakes, which again, we're going to say the roster's bad because we're getting like 10 penalties a game. I'm supposed to believe that Brian Gutekunst can't do his job and that's why everybody's dropping footballs and fumbling handoffs. So we have to tear down this premium roster and try to rebuild a new premium roster, hopefully with premium players that give a crap and try. And now, and, and I got to want, can we, can we still do this with the same coaches? I like Matt, smart dude, great plays. The players feel the, the players feel as though it's acceptable to not put out effort for seven weeks into the season. How am I supposed to sit here and say, yeah, we can run it back with Matt. I'm just asking. They haven't found their groove until week eight when they get blown out by the Bills. This last game was a picture of them finally kind of figuring it out. I mean, everybody's all in on Joe Barry going bye-bye, and I have no choice but to accept that that makes a lot of sense because what the heck are we doing? And, and again, it's, it's made worse by the fact that he's changed his mind and decided to do whatever the players want. You, you've given in on your convictions. You've abandoned the entire reason you were brought to this team in Green Bay, which is to implement the scheme which you failed to do, and said, okay, fine, we'll try to run somebody else's scheme that I don't really know how to do as well and doesn't really fit. You can't really mix it with what I do all that well, but you kind of can, so we'll try to do a little bit more aggressive man stuff. And then that fails, and then you abandon it and go back to your other way, and that sucks too. And now we're kind of giving up the big plays across the middle again, and da-da-da-da-da. So now it's, you can't do it, and you don't know what you're doing, and don't really have conviction. And it's the same with Matt LaFleur and all the, the back-and-forth decisions. Yeah, we really need to run the ball more, but I don't know, we just can't seem to do it. And they're like, oh, that doesn't make sense, Matt! And the Buffalo Bills are proof of that. You decided to run the ball all the time. Even when we were down, even in the third and fourth quarter, we ran the ball and we did it successfully and we moved the sticks. So you do have that capability, right? And to everybody saying, well, no, the Bills let us do that. That ain't true. First of all, we ran the ball when they stacked the box. It might have been rare, but we still did. Second of all, we have seen light boxes for at least the last three weeks in a row. The idea that, well, they just, they, they played light boxes because they were winning and they let us run. We have done nothing but throw against light boxes for, again, at least the, the two weeks prior. Light box, light box, light box, light box. We would, would not run. So this was a commitment to run the ball that was successful and does have the ability to be successful moving forward. Because lots of teams are playing light boxes. It's the entire discussion we're having about defense with the too high shell and how you can't throw against them and you can't because they have extra guys in coverage. So now teams are going to start running the ball more, which is I've been saying this whole time funny because it sounds like that's exactly what we're equipped to do. That's what we, while everybody's getting smaller and faster, we're getting bigger and stronger on offense. We've got wide receivers that are good blockers. We've got tight ends that can block. We've got a, a, a bulldozer of a running back in A.J. Dillon on top of one of the better true runners. It, it, it feels like the NFL is moving in a way that benefits us, but we're not doing that. That doesn't make sense to me. And again, I, I try to really get intellectual about like, what could it possibly mean? Because there has to be a reason. It can't just be because they don't know what the heck they're doing. And now I'm sitting here going, no, you know what? It, may, it just seems like everybody doesn't know what they're doing. That actually makes the most sense at this point. Kudikunst doesn't know what he's doing. Matt LaFleur doesn't know what he's doing. Joe Barry doesn't know what he's doing. The players clearly have demonstrated they don't know what they're doing, largely because they don't care enough to put in the work to be ready to play, 
which is not just the the rantings and ramblings of a fan slash podcaster. That is out of the mouth of football players on this team. You remember the whole thing about, hey, guys, we got to do better Monday through Saturday preparing for the game so that we don't suck anymore. Why would they say that if guys are doing that? Because they know guys aren't doing that. Team doesn't care. Coaches aren't holding them accountable. We are completely directionless. We are floating adrift. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. It's a player problem. It's a culture problem. It's a scheme problem. It's whatever it is. This is broken beyond repair. And again, the idea of, hey, we should have gotten Chase Claypool because maybe that, dude, you are missing it by a mile. Nobody is coming to save this. This is broken. And it's, you know, well, what if they turn it around? Okay, fine. Given the 3% chance that they turn this around, it doesn't change anything. The fact that it was allowed to get here is a disaster. Everything that has happened up to this point is already a massive indictment. I don't need to be correct going forward to prove exactly what I'm saying right now. What, are we going to win six out of our next eight? Get us to nine and eight? Wow. Nine and seven it would be, I guess. Amazing. We're just going to blow up all these teams that, that are playing really good football. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I think the bigger issue is, what are the odds that they're able to do something that is going to convince me that everything is fine and we can continue on with the way things are moving forward? I don't think there's anything they can do. We worry about week one, like, oh, they don't show up on week one, or and they have issues when they travel, and you know, after a bye week, they kind of struggle. This, the, this stuff has been staring us in the face this whole time, and I've been dancing around it for so long. I'll mention it, but almost apologetically, you know, like, well, I don't really know, but I mean, it just seems like we are so loaded with talent and we don't show up. We just don't show up. We should have won the Super Bowl in 2021, 100%. But our guys didn't show up. Just didn't show up to play. We also had chances in 2019. We had chances in 20, uh, 2021. Did I say 20, 2020 was our best year? Whatever, doesn't matter. 2019 and 2021, we also had opportunities. Didn't show up when it mattered most. And this year, apparently, the team has just decided that they're not going to show up at all. And we are directionless and rudderless, and it feels like we're just making it up on a week-to-week basis. What we're doing with the offensive line of shuffling that, it seems like that's what we're doing everywhere. The formations we're in, the plays we utilize, running and passing. And, and I mean, every week is just a new, well, let's try this. Well, that didn't work. Let's try this. Well, that didn't work. Let's try this. Well, never mind. Let's go back to that last thing. That seemed a little bit better. Well, no, that, that sucked. And nah, nah, nah. All the while, we got a team that's not putting in the work, doesn't have energy. Again, out of the quarterback's mouth, this is the first week where it kind of felt like, oh, we're ready to play. We got, we got the energy. We're, we're motivated. How do you not get motivated? How do you not get ready? You're talking about prior to a game, you're going around the locker room and just and you can feel the energy and just going, nah, I don't think this team's really into it. I, I don't know what to say to that. Genuinely, I, I just, I don't, I don't know what to say other than I am, if, if you have given up, I've given up. If you don't care, I don't care. For, for the last hour, I've been watching draft prospects just geeking out, geeking out about the replacement players that we can acquire. Stupid stuff, man. I'm talking about Rodgers leaves next year and we pick up Bijan Robinson at like pick 11 or 12 running back. You know why? Because I don't freaking care, dude. <laughs> yeah, they're playing too high and all that. So we're going to go out and we're going to, I know it'll never happen, but I don't care. I, I just want to, I want to have fun. 
and I want to enjoy this, and I, I want I want to watch the Packers play with heart and passion. I, I'd rather watch this team lose with passion than maybe sneak out a couple wins the rest of the year with a bunch of guys that play like they just couldn't care any less. One half of football every freaking game, and we wonder why we can't win, because we're supposed to win in two quarters while the other team gets four. That seems like a disadvantage, don't you think? The crazy thing is it's <laughs> spending a lot of time talking to Blaine, which is how I end up in weird places like drafting B. John Robbins. We go down a lot of rabbit holes, and then I end up in places and say things, and you guys are like, you're an idiot. It's like, I know, dude, but you had to be there for the conversation to know how we got there. But the, the, one of the things that he and I talked about is, you know, next year, let's just say Rodgers does retire, and it's not going to be catastrophic cap-wise as much as everybody says it is. It's just absolutely untrue. It's actually not even that big of a deal. But if, if Rodgers does retire next year, and a couple things that also make sense is potentially David Bakhtiari not being here and Aaron Jones not being here. And we thought about it, and it's like, these are three of our premier players. Honestly, how much worse is this team without him? David Bakhtiari, we haven't had half the year anyways, and, and we're not significantly better or worse with or without him. Is, is there some kind of a direct correlation between how good the team is and wins and losses and David Bakhtiari playing? There is not. Aaron Jones, I mean, he's, he's dominant, but we never play him. So what difference would that make? And Aaron Rodgers, come on. You show me the throws he's made this year that nobody else can. He isn't making those throws. He's not that guy that, that scrambles out of the pocket and throws off his back foot for... T- well, it's because we don't have the receivers. I, wh- I don't care. Well, then if he's not doing that, then we don't need him. But okay, marginally worse. Oh, wow. <laughs> marginally worse. And we have the opportunity to build in a new direction with a new culture, which is, what, which is what's ultimately most important. And I, I hate, I hate the Matt LaFleur situation because I like him a lot. And I think we need a guy like that. I, I desperately want to run this offense, but I don't know that he has the leadership ability to run a football team. I, I, I genuinely, what, what's going to be different? Somebody in this building has to be that pillar that the players rally around and fight for. We don't have that. And I know some of you aren't where I'm, I'm at, so you don't even want to talk about it, but it's just, it's just deflating. Where, where are we going? What are we doing? Honestly. I don't know. Um, that's just kind of how I'm feeling about the situation. It's just, it's mostly just overwhelming as far as from my perspective, what we need to do to turn it around. I mean, there's so many things, so many things, almost everything, (laughs) which sucks, you know, because, because you have to undo things that you shouldn't have to undo, you know, like, the, the idea of tearing down and rebuilding this roster is like, are you freaking kidding me? Tear, tear it down? I don't know, man. Um, I, leaving room for the fact that I could be very wrong, or, or likely I'm at least wrong about one or two things, uh, if not, you know, a wide bevy of, of issues. Um, at this time, this is... This is uh, it's a rough situation that we're in. Um, and again, th- this is not me complaining about the trade deadline, deadline necessarily. I-, I thought it was honestly kind of funny that people panicked so much about it. I- I- again, for me, it was largely just, I-, I want somebody on this team to act like they have a plan. I don't even care what the plan is. Tell me you have one. And, and the fact that they tried for a wide receiver makes it worse. So you did have a plan. 
to, to go in and try to make this thing work. First of all, I think it's a stupid plan, but at least you got a plan. But you didn't execute it. Right? So, so that's the plan. We're, we're going to do this thing. But now we can't because you didn't, you didn't get any help. So now what do we do? It's almost as if picture we're out to sea, you know? We, we, we were on an island. We're trying to get off the island. And we realize there's a massive gas leak. And so we can turn the ship around and go back and try to come up with a new plan so that we're not stranded on a freaking boat in the middle of the ocean. Go back to our island that has food and water and, you know, whatever. We'll build a freaking raft. I don't know. Light the island on fire, see if somebody finds it. I don't know the plan, but do something else. But the other plan is there, there's a, there's a f- gas can just floating out there in the water. And we're going to head out toward that gas can, right? Because then if we can refill it, stupid analogy, just shut up and go with it. Then we have enough gas to get to the other plot of land over there. Yeah, that just cropped up. I need it. There needs to be a destination. We're trying to get to that other island, plot of land, whatever. At some point, though, it becomes evident we ain't going to make it to that gas can. No, you can't swim the sharks everywhere. Don't worry about it. No loopholes in my analogies. So Gutekunst had two options at a certain point today. Change the plan, turn around, go back to the island, or just continue drifting out to sea knowing we're never going to make it to that gas can. And he said, let's just drift. And again, it's entirely possible that they did have plans to get a bunch of players and maybe had some contingencies of, of selling off players and just didn't have any bite, didn't have any, any uh, whatever ability to, to get it done. But that is part of the gig, man. Part of it is getting the deals done. And you didn't do that. And, and I, I just find drifting out to sea into endless nothingness as an unacceptable plan because it's not a plan. It's, it's giving up. It's giving up in either direction. I mean, I, I would have appreciated it if you would have actually given up and said, we're not going to make it, let's cut bait. No, it's, it's like we're giving up on trying any sort of survival, now or in the future. We'll just ride it out, see how she goes. Okay, so nobody has a plan. Got it, great. And, and every week we go back to, just got to execute, just got to execute. Can we get some help? Nope, just got to execute with what you got, okay? Execution isn't working. Can we bail on this and maybe try to work toward the future? Nope, got to sit here, got to stick with it, just got to grind, got to execute, okay? Can we do anything different or nope, nope, grind it out, got to execute. Okay, well, I guess that's how that goes. But anyways, can't just come on here every day and complain and, and dream of the future. So we'll have to uh, accept that this is the way things go and, and try to navigate things as they are. But I wanted to just come on here and tell you the, the thing that was bothering me most about not doing anything. And that, and that is, again... Not just Gutekunst. It's an entire team that seems like they're directionless and rudderless and leaderless. I mean, again, when you have leaders that stand there and say, this is what we're going to do, and then it doesn't work, and people grumble and they go, okay, we're going to do whatever you want to do. Come on, man. You know that's not leadership. And then it doesn't work, and they're like, never mind. That sucked. We're going to go back to what I want to do, even though that also doesn't work. But, but I want to kind of try to maintain that, that I'm the boss thing, even though I just gave that up. Hey, you, you suck. Get out. Never mind. It's worse without you. Get back on the field, but try not to suck as much. And then they do suck. And it's like, well, can't really go back again. So I guess you just stay out there. What are we doing? What is this? This is, I don't know. I don't know, man. But hey, Rogers did talk about Samori Ture and 
some positive stuff there, so maybe that'll materialize into something, I'm sure. That'll be great. That'll turn the season around. Samori Ture to the rescue. Anyways, why don't we take a break? I have no idea what we're going to talk about on the other end, because everything else just seems stupid. I guess we could talk about Bijan Robinson. <laughs> I know you don't want to, but I'm serious, dude. That guy's good. He's good at football and stuff. That'd be kind of cool. Don't draft a running back in the top 15. All right, I get it, but still. You know what I feel like right now? Well, no, we'll take a break and then we'll we'll, we'll do this because we're kind of getting late here. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash back underscore dad if you'd like to support the podcast, fertilegroundranch.org if you'd like to support that ministry that is uh, that is there to support, I guess. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. It just dawned on me that what I'm going through right now is like a rebellion stage. You know, like I, I've been, I've been a Ted Thompsonite for a long time. You know what I mean? Like you build for the future. You let the, the, you know, the, the, the future take care of the future or whatever. I don't, I don't know. The, the, the present isn't being taken care of by the present. It's being taken care of by the past. You know, last year you took care of the future. The year before that, the year before that, the year before that, it all compounds into this year. Next year is the same thing. And, um, you know, even like when it comes to the drafts, like you don't draft running backs, you don't, you know, wide receivers are stupid and, you know, like cool, fun stuff. That's all stupid. You need to be responsible. You need to be an adult. And it's like, you know, you get to the point where it's like you're a rule follower all this time. And now we've got nothing to show for it. And I'm like, you know what? Screw every rule that I've ever held to. I want to draft Bijan Robinson. In fact, if we can, let's trade Rodgers. And the only reason I say if we can is I don't know if anybody wants Rodgers. Um, not just because of his play. I mean, it's it's a hefty contract that they'd have to take on. And you got a guy that's like on the verge of retirement. And he also didn't super kill it this year. So I don't know what how much value that holds. I doubt we're getting like first round picks for Rodgers. I don't think that's going to happen f- flat out. But but here's the thing. After we draft Bijan Robinson with our second first round pick that we'll acquire, either from Rodgers, Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, which we should have traded, but we didn't. You ready for this? Ultimate rebellion mode? Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. A freaking running back and then a tight end. You know why? 
Cause screw you, Dad. <laughs> Sorry, Ted Thompson. I love you. You're you're great, and you're a great role model, and we're a wonderful GM. But I'm just I'm just kind of in. Let's just have some fun mode, man. And by the way, I can rationalize it for you if you want. I promise we'll get off fantasy land in a minute. But I just I I, I enjoyed watching Bijan Robinson dominate, and I want that here. And I also wasn't super impressed with the top wide receiver, so I kind of just didn't really want to go that way. Plus, everybody wants to do that, and that's stupid. Here's the rationale, though: elite running back after we got rid of Aaron Jones, and then a a top-tier tight end. What is everybody saying about the defenses moving forward? Nobody can throw against them. We're going to have to change it up. We're going to have to go back to like a big boy package with the, you know, running the ball and, you know, an extra lineman and maybe like a giant tight end that's also a wide receiver uh, threat. I have a solution. How about elite running back and then a giant, massive, hulking Rob Gronkowski type of tight end? It's the best of both worlds, man. Can't stop us running the ball, and we just added two receivers. Bijan Robinson and Michael Mayer, both are receivers. We'll figure, I mean, second-round receiver, I don't care, whatever, offensive lineman. We're, we're not drafting defense at all. I, we, we're done with that. That's done. We did that. Doesn't work. Not in Green Bay. I mean, we're cursed with that. It's like the Bears trying to have a good offense. Like, you guys are so stupid. Just stick with defense, all right? We're stupid. Drafting deep. Gutekunst is the great savior, going to fix the defense. You can't fix the defense in Green Bay, Wisconsin, bro. It's cursed. I don't know when it happened. Maybe after Reggie White left. I don't know. I know 2010 was fine, but let's not act like that was some dominant elite number one defense for the entire year. It's not going to go down in, in, the, in the history books as like one of the top defenses. It's not. Give me a break. 96 Packers is the last time anybody will ever look at a Packers defense and go, dang, that was scary. So we're going back to old school. By the way, when Rodgers leaves, probably not going to have a super top-end quarterback. So what are we going to do? We're going to run the ball. We're going to do the same thing the Bears are doing. We have a trash quarterback. So what do you do? You run the ball, you dominate, and then you kill him with play action. Tell me Jordan Love can't throw to a wide open six foot six, 270 pound tight end. I made that up. I have no idea how big he is. Let me look it up. He is almost 270. He's 265, man. He's 6'4", 265. That's a big dude. He's got some hands. I saw a toe tap catch out of the sideline. Man, I'm telling you. Third team All-American, he surpassed Tyler Eifert to become the school's all-time reception leader at tight end. Passing Tyler Eifert? I know Eifert was hurt every three seconds, but still, as a tight end, that guy was good. This guy's better. So, just let me have my rebellion phase, okay? I've, I've been a loyal, responsible person for a long time, and I'm going through some stuff right now, all right? You know, breaking news, the Packers have released... Patrick Taylor and Kobe Jones. The comments are hilarious. The guy says, don't even tweet right now. This is the Packers that, that tweeted this out, that the Packers released Patrick Taylor and Kobe Jones. The guy says, don't even tweet right now. Same, uh, different guy says, we win the trade deadline. Release Goot next. Anyways, there goes those two guys. Probably making room for OBJ and somebody else. I don't know. Because, I mean, that's not a trade. They're free agents. You can still get free agents, man. And, and who knows? Maybe that's what's coming. We tried to make a trade. We couldn't do it. All right, time to lock down OBJ. In which case, all right, great. I'll feel great about that. Not well, great as an exaggeration, but at least then it's, it's the GM saying we've got a direction. We're sticking to it. It's a plan. It's action. It's better than nothing. The problem is I still don't feel good about anything else. It's just one thing that I can look at and go, all right, thank you. That's all I was asking for. Um, to close, and I know this is a very strange situation because usually yesterday I would have covered this entire thing from front to back, but 
I want to go over very briefly the PFF grades. Um, they feel inconsequential at this point, but we'll we'll talk about it. Um, good football players include A.J. Dillon, Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, Tyler Davis, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, or excuse me, Aaron Rodgers. The three highest grades, Aaron Jones, 85. Below that was Tyler Davis, who didn't play very much with the 73. So the three really high, Aaron Jones, 85, David Bakhtiari, 88.8, and Aaron Rodgers, 89.2. Passing um, of interest, Aaron Rodgers, four big-time throws and zero turnover-worthy plays. He did throw an interception, but they are not uh, blaming him for that. It was a tipped pass. So 203 yards, two touchdowns, four big-time throws, no turnover-worthy plays. Uh, adjusted completion percentage of 77%. Pretty pretty solid stat line there. Again, my, my biggest issue moving forward is I don't necessarily feel like the way we played is super sustainable, but... If it is, great. We'll keep it rocking, see how she goes. You know, I mean, the point is we, we need a superstar wide receiver to make it work. And if Dobbs is going to step up and be that guy that catches those, and maybe Samore does, I'm pretty skeptical. But I'm willing to accept it, right? We're going to play the way Rodgers wants to play, and we're going to have guys step up. It's all been about execution up to this point, right? The offensive line's got to execute. Well, they're kind of starting to. Zach Tom's apparently looking pretty good. David Bakhtiari's back to elite status. So we got the offensive line. Rodgers is back on track because he's got his guys and he's got a little bit of time. You know, I mean, this this is what we're doing, right? Again, I can't sit here and just say I wish the season was over. That doesn't do anything. Got no choice but to say we, we need to find a way to win. Until we're officially eliminated from the playoff, we're trying to win. Probably even after, but that'll be uh, something else for me to complain about when, we're, when we start winning games after we're eliminated. That's really going to tick me off. But that, that, that seems like the only real path right now. I don't think we're necessarily going to change into the offense that I want to see a little bit more of. Maybe we will. Again, we started running more. Hopefully now that we're running more, we can turn that into you know more play-action-y stuff, making the defense afraid of us doing different things. Again, I think Watson does make a big difference there. I think that they had a plan for him. They still have a plan for him. I think he makes a big difference. Hopefully he can uh, heal and, and get back at it. And then you've got him helping with the misdirection and keeping the defense off balance. And then on top of that, you've got receivers that are really shining through. And Rodgers, who's still able to throw pretty good passes if he can find his guy getting some separation, right? This, this is the path for the offense. Continue to block up front. Continue to run the ball a lot and run the ball well. And then the rest should come a little easier, ideally. Defensively, what do we do? I don't know, man. Don't really know. Maybe it's just a spark. Maybe it's just they just need a dominant performance where they just go wreck somebody. And it feels like it's there, you know? I mean, they've, they've as much as we complain about them not playing half a game every week, they, they really do show up a half a game. So it's there. Just needs to be more consistent. And hopefully you get that one dominant game. Ideally, it's from the offense and the defense. And that kind of sets this whole thing off, right? The offense shows up. You get the dominant run game, you control the clock, you tire out their defense, and you just start picking them apart. I mean, we, we almost borderline did that to Buffalo, which is maybe the number one defense in football. So if you can do it to them, you can do it to somebody else. And again, defensively, smack somebody around. I mean, we, we just came off of Buffalo. It's all downhill from here. Everything else is pretty easy breezy. Buffalo in Buffalo. So there you go. There's the path. Anyways, um, next thing is rushing. As I said, Aaron Jones, 85 overall grade, 90.6 rushing grade, 7.2 yards per attempt, 
3.3 yards on average after contact, 13 missed tackles on just 20 attempts. Um, 32 yards was his long, four carries over 10 yards, one over 15 yards. Pretty incredible stuff. A.J. Dillon with a 70 overall grade, 72 rushing grade, 5.4 yards per attempt, 5.4 yards after contact per attempt. So on average, he's being contacted at the line of scrimmage. (laughs) Good Lord. That poor guy. Um, Two missed tackles, forced one carry over 10 yards, one carry over 15 yards. As far as blocking goes, pass blocking, which is most important, uh, the two that really didn't do very well, A.J. Dillon and Josiah DeGuara, neither gave up any pressures, but they had bad grades. Uh, Zach Tom, uh, again, he had a good grade, but not exactly in the area that you'd hope for. A 57.6 pass blocking grade. He gave up a sack, a hit, uh, two total pressures, which is not the end of the world, but, you know, not ideal. Josh Myers with a 60, which is average, no pressures given up. Uh, Aaron Jones, 61. Yash Nyman, 65. He gave up a sack and a hurry, two total pressures. Robert Tunyon, 71.2 overall grade, no pressures given up on his uh, four attempts. John Runyon, 71.6, two hurries given up. Tyler Davis, 72.7. Mercedes Lewis, 73.8. And then David Bakhtiari, 82.5. Run blocking. Um, we'll just stick to the offensive lineman. David Bakhtiari, 87.8, just crushed it. Zach Tom with a 73.9, which I never would have thought, hey, take this uh, more slim guy, kick him into guard, and watch him just dominate as a run blocker against a top-tier defensive line. That is that is not on my bingo card. Um, and then, unfortunately, the out of the bottom four players, three of them are the rest of our offensive line. Josh Myers with a 50 overall grade, uh, not overall, run blocking. Yash Nyman, 42.3, and John Runyon, 41.1. Again, for whatever reason, run blocking seems to be more important than pass blocking to PFF, and I will never understand that. So recapping the totals, three, uh, excuse me, six total pressures given up, two from Runyon, two from Zach Tom, two from Yash Nyman. On the defensive side of the ball, Jair Alexander had the one elite grade at 90.8. Other good players, uh, Eric Stokes, Devontae Wyatt, Kobe Jones, who I think was just released. Is that right? Um, Anyways, uh, Jaron Reed, Quay Walker, and TJ Slayton. Glad to see a couple things here. First of all, Eric Stokes, as much as there were, you know, some complaints about him kind of not being great, his second game of the year with a pretty high grade, the other one being against Tampa, something we desperately need is for Stokes to get out of that slump in between the Tampa and Buffalo games, his grades were 48, 43, 42, and 50. That's pretty horrific stuff. Um, and we can blame Joe Barry all we want, but we got to get better play out of our guys than that. Um, anyways, other good things that I love to see, uh, Mr. Devontae Wyatt. This is his second week in a row where his snaps have gone up and his grades have been really solid. I know I went over this a little bit with Packernet After Dark, but... Um, and Quay Walker is another one that is really exciting because he likewise had a really good game against Chicago, 76 overall grade. Washington was the next time he kind of stepped up and I highlighted him during that game saying he had a really good grade, but in between Chicago and Washington, 36, 38, 35 and 45. So, you know, again, what, what does the defense have to do to improve? We, we just need more of this. We cannot have Quay Walker in the 30s and Eric Stokes in the 30s and Jair's like in the 60s. Like that, that's, that's trash. We need our good guys to be good, our great guys to be great. 
period. Or, or this is all just a complete joke. And we kind of got that this week. Not from everybody. Terrible play. Uh, sub 60 is pretty much half the team. Um, 57 from McDuffie. Darnell, 51. Dean Lowry, 51. Rashawn Gary, 50. Then really bad. Kingsley Anikbari, 44. Preston Smith, I have no idea how he's down. I guess it's they did give him a good run defense grade, which makes sense. Tackling, pass rush, and coverage, he was pretty terrible. Um, Adrian Amos with a 40, Kenny Clark with a 37, Razul Douglas with a 30, and Devondre Campbell with a 29.8. And let me just say this, I, I shouldn't even walk out into the firing line here, but you guys know how I am about when people overreact, either in, either in the positive or the negative, I go to the other side, right? Darnell Savage is not playing well, but the fan base constantly bickering about him is not proportional to what we're seeing. Again, Savage was our 12th ranked player. Amos was 17th and missed as many tackles. Savage missed three, Amos missed three, Preston missed three. Devondre Campbell, who we had high hopes for, had a grade of 29.8. I know he went out with an injury, but that's pretty bad. Kenny Clark, 37.9. I guess I just get annoyed when we allow our preconceived either like or hate to dictate whether or not we actually believe what's in front of us. We like Adrian Amos, so he gets a pass when he plays like garbage. We hate Darnell Savage, so even though he was, you know, not the only issue, we gotta, you know, light him up. And again, this is, believe it or not, this is me saying this is a me thing, right? I, I, I'm stupid about going too far in, in other directions of, of being contrary to what everybody else is doing and saying. But it just, it just makes it hard to do what I need to do and to try to just get things right. Because everybody is so 100% in one direction or the other. Everywhere. Every single thing that I try to do is, is you know, it's like, no, it's, it's, it's not that. It's this one thing. Like, no, it's not. Yeah, it's this one thing. You know, we need to get a wide receiver because it's that one thing. You know, and again, it's, it's, you go on Twitter and just see all the clips of Savage, like, missing a tackle. Like, yeah, that sucks. So what's your point? Well, it's pathetic. Okay. Where's the clip of Amos missing his three tackles? You didn't even know he missed any, did you? Maybe I'm just doing this wrong. Maybe I should just lean into all that stuff, you know? Fire Joe Barry, trade Darnell Savage, go get OBJ, fire Gutekunst. Just stop paddling against this, the uh, flow of the river, you know? It just gets tiring trying to show people a full picture that just don't want to see it. The nuance, you know? I don't know. I'm in a bad mood. It's not you, it's me. Anyways, we'll rip through the stats and then we'll get out of here. 20 pressures, seven of which, more than a third, were Rashawn Gary. Uh, Not that they really materialized into anything because, again, the quarterback can get the ball out of his hand in 1.2 seconds, so it's useless. But somehow, even in that time, was able to generate seven hurries. Um, Jaron Reed, three on 23 attempts. Kingsley, Kenny Clark, and Preston Smith with two. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie, TJ Slayton, Eric Wilson, and Razul Douglas with one. So generating pressure from a lot of places. Sacks from Eric Wilson and Razul Douglas. Hits coming two of them from Jaron Reed. And then again, the hurries were mostly everybody and primarily Rashawn Gary. Um, tackles, we kind of went over already. Missed tackles. Again, three from Savage, three from Amos, three from Preston. Two from Razul, one from uh, McDuffie, Stokes, Jair, Rashawn, and Devondre Campbell. Stops, uh, Preston with four, Kingsley, 
Razul, Jaron Reed with two, McDuffie, Wilson, and Amos with one. Forced fumbles, Quay Walker. And then on targets, Razul Doug with seven targets, five receptions, 99 yards, and a touchdown, which is why he had a 29 overall grade despite the interception. Jair Alexander, where are we here? Uh, five targets, zero receptions, one interception, three pass breakups. That's crazy. Devondre Campbell, three targets, three receptions, 32 yards. Adrian Amos, three targets, two receptions, 10 yards, and a touchdown. Eric Stokes, two targets, one reception, seven yards. Darnell Savage, two targets, one reception, 12 yards. Preston Smith, one target, one reception, 41 yards. So receptions, five from Razul, three from Devondre, two from Amos, one from Stokes, one from Savage, one from Preston. Yardage, Razul gave up 99, Preston 41, Devondre 32, Savage 29, Amos 10, Stokes 7. Um, touchdowns given up by Razul and Amos, interceptions, Jair and Razul, pass breakups, three from Jair and nobody had anything else. And then passer ratings. Um, Quay, McDuffie, Keyshawn Nixon, Jair, Alexander, Rashawn Gary, Eric Wilson, Rudy Ford all had a zero passer rating while targeted. Stokes 58-3, Savage 95-8, Amos 111.1, Devondre 111.1, Razul 113.7, Preston 118.8. I feel that's pretty thorough. Special teams. Um... Kind of good, again, like I said, we we never, generally speaking in the past, special teams would have maybe one guy at like 69.8, and that would be like, hey, that guy's pretty good. Tyler Davis, 70.3. Tariq Carpenter, 71.3. Isaiah McDuffie, 81.8. Eric Wilson, 86.4. Patrick Taylor, 90.8. It's great that one guy that graded out well on defense is gone, one guy that was... Elite on special teams is gone. I don't know what the heck is going on in the world, but that's fine. Innis Gaines, the one guy that was uh, pretty terrible on special teams. Josiah, also pretty low, 49.2. Penalties from Innis Gaines, that's obviously a big one. Uh, Eric Wilson, Heshawn Nixon, Isaiah McDuffie, Tariq Carpenter, all with tackles. Assisted tackles from Patrick Taylor and Eric Wilson. Missed tackles, one from Tariq Carpenter. So that's about it, folks. That's all she wrote. Them's my thoughts, and we will uh, move forward looking at our future opponents with the team that we have. And, uh, you know, again, Packernet After Dark is a, is a good way for you to kind of help me gather my thoughts a bit because I'm, I kind of am just floating around, and I really, I don't know, man. So drop your thoughts, your theories, as far as the direction of the team, whether that be this week, this year, this next decade. And I will be uh, interested in listening. But I got to get going. You folks have a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye.